Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Everyone has an opinion, but he's got the Von Hessler Doctrine. Eric Von Hessler on WSB. Live from Sherwood Forest, Hour 1 of the Von Hessler Doctrine begins now. I am the aforementioned Eric Von Hessler, surrounded by my doctrinaires. We're, we're one doctrinaire down. We're one doctrinaire short this morning. <laughs> Jared Yamamoto, handsomest producer in all of producery, is, I don't know, giving his father some sort of Father's Day gift that includes Broadway in New York City. We won't delve. We won't go any deeper than that. All I know is they're enjoying a nice Father Day, Father's Day. I wish all the fathers out there happy Father's Day. My doctrinaires that are with me, Tim Andrews is here. Hello. English Nick is here. Good day, sir. Uh, Autumn Fisher is with us. Happy Father's Day. Well, thank you very much. It turns out I am rather conflicted about Father's Day because my old man left the family when I was 12. So it didn't mean a whole lot to me, but I myself have been a father now for 30 some odd years. And a great father, I might add. A damn good father. Do we really know if he's a great father? We know. Oh, we know the boys have turned out great. I don't know if you remember this, but Entertainment Tonight did a deep dive on me and found (laughs) out that I am, in fact, a great father. And a great host of a weekly show that begins with this. Headlines of the week. All right, usually it's Jared who gives us the headlines, but English Nick's going to fill in and do quite a damn good job, I'm sure. All right, so after meeting with the Orlando victims, President Obama said Thursday that destroying the Islamic State alone won't stop lone wolf terror attacks as long as they have access to assault weapons. Okay, number one, destroying them alone uh, wouldn't hurt. No. (laughs) I love this whole... Couldn't hurt. I love it when people give you the whole, well, you know, it's just whack-a-mole, something else. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, you got to keep whacking the mole, though. I didn't mean that in any sort of, uh, you know, metaphorical, um, sexual way. You gotta, keep, you gotta keep, you gotta keep whacking the mole if, uh, if you, that's part of it, right? I mean, so he's correct, but when he did his, uh, little press conference after being in Orlando, you know, I was really sort of let down. I'm, I, you know what? I've been let down all week long by the country in, in a strange way. Like, I was gonna start the show off with this angry rant. And, then I, you know, anger to me almost seems like a form of elitism now. Like I, if I get on the radio and, a, and I get an angry rant at America, really the idea is America, you've let me down. It's kind of, it's kind of elitist. Uh, but I do sort of feel that way. I mean, follow me here on this one. So look back, before, America is an experiment. The idea of America is an experiment. The idea that people can govern themselves is an experiment. If you would have gone back in the 1600s and said to some king or queen, you know, we've got an idea where people are going to, uh, they're going to they're gonna govern themselves. Absolutely not. Their idea. Absolutely uh, not, Eric. You're a madman. Why would you let the, uh, the inmates run the asylum? Would basically be the idea from the elites at that time. And what I worry about now is that maybe the inmates are running the asylum. When I see something as tragic as Orlando... And we can't, with this many days out, no one could say that we're, we're, we're on common ground 
as the American people. After our hearts and prayers, our thoughts and prayers, it immediately sort of breaks up. And everybody goes back to their, their two camps. And it seems to me that it's more important to each side. Both sides are so invested that everything becomes about winning the argument. And no one, not no one, but the, 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 the main actors on both sides it's more important to them that the other side doesn't gain any political ground off this than it is that we actually get to the bottom of this case. I mean, take the gun thing. I mean, the gun thing is just ridiculous. On one side, guns are never good. They're always bad. On the other side, guns are never bad. They're always good. They're right for every situation. Both sides more invested in winning the argument than actually solving this. I mean, let me tell you something. This is something I realized watching this whole carnival this week. America will wipe out ISIS. I'm telling you right now. What's the date? The 21st? 19th. The 19th. Oh, look how awful. <laughs> Mark it. On the 19th of June. I've got the month right, right? Mm. 2016. I told you that America will wipe out ISIS. But here's the thing about Americans, especially when we're war-weary, which we are now. We don't do things until the last. It just has to be done. You would think something like Orlando would have knocked us over that or San Bernardino, but they haven't. Because the problem with Orlando is because it was a gay nightclub, it opened up all... All arguments that we're already having in this country for, about a marriage and traditional marriage and, all, and gay marriage and rights and the transgender bathrooms. It just that bullet went right into an argument we're already having. And none of us stopped long enough to say this is a little bit different. Uh, no cue the straw man. There you go. Straw man arguments. <laughs> and, you know, the New York Times blaming the Republicans, blaming the Republicans, John McCain, blaming the president. And, fault, my and so many people acting like it's not a terrorist attack. When, of course, the guy applauded 9-11. That was a long time ago. So this is a mindset. He applauded 9-11. And he called and made a, uh, a, 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 a declaration uh, with ISIS while he was doing it. You know, I would ask my friends on the left. If he had made a phone call and declared himself a Republican and a Christian while this is going on. Now, I want you on the left to listen to me now. Be honest with yourself. Would you so easily separate that from the events that happened? Of course you wouldn't. You know, it becomes more important on both sides to win. The gay lobby, the gay leaders this, 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 this week, it's so important to make sure that Republicans aren't right about anything. Here, <laughs> yeah, know. You know, mm -hmm. it's just so important. And that's sick. What's important is we find out exactly what did happen and what we can do about it. Get back to my first point. We will wait. But we will wipe out ISIS when they do something that is so unconscionable to us. And here's the thing. I can't tell you what it's going to be. I know, because it's been so many things already. But they're, they're not going to stop. That's the thing. Right. Is they are not going to stop. So it could be three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, two years from now. Let me tell you something that... This is shocking, and it's Father's Day, and I hate to do this, but my job is to give you my opinion. See the world as I see it. What they haven't done yet is they haven't messed with our children yet, right? Right. Does anybody listening to me think that they wouldn't if they could? 
Does anybody believe that they have any sort of scruples about something like that? So whether it's that or something before that, something in a mall, I don't know. But what I do know about Americans is when we feel like push comes to shove, we do something. The problem with Orlando is it just opened up so many, the gun control stuff, the gay rights stuff, the social conservatives versus the social progressives. The social conservatives and the social progressives, neither of them, neither of them understand that in the eyes of the enemy, the jihad, there is no difference, zero difference between Dick Cheney and the person advocating to be able to use the bathroom of their choice based on their sexual identity. Zero. This is what people don't understand. We're all in the same boat, whether we like it or not. And we're fighting each other. And if the boat goes down, it's not like the social progressives live and the social conservatives. Mm -hmm. They're after all of us. But we cannot, we, we simply, the people on the hard left, on the hard right, there's no way that they can see each other as the same. They're so at war with one another. And they cannot allow, in this world that we live in now, of social media, where it becomes important for each side not only to win an election or a, a quarter in the year. Now you actually wake up every day with an effort to win the 24-hour news cycle. So it's never-ending. It's never-ending. And I find, I wonder sometimes in my mind, on weeks like this, do the American people still deserve America? You know, the founders gave us a system. They didn't, uh, each from the left and from the right, you're wrong if you believe a perfect world is where everybody looks at the world just like you. The founders were not that stupid. They understood that people argued about things like this, and they put together a system of representative democracy where we send elected officials to Washington, D.C. in a congressional, judicial, and executive branches, co-equal branches. And if that's not good enough for you, then I have to say, I don't know that you're good enough for America. Because well, in this country, because, hold on, in this country, sure. you get the right to elect your representative. You get the right to vote. You get the right to run for office. You get the right to work for the people that you want to win. You get the right to, uh, to fund the people you want to win. Here's the one thing you don't have a right for, whether you're on the hard left or on the hard right. Victory. You do not have the right to lead. You do not have the right for victory. And it seems to me, given that, a lot of people know that they end up losing elections a lot. More people are invested in the fight than actually resolving problems, actually getting together and resolving the problems. The response to Orlando from the people on the top on both sides has been more about not letting the other side gain a political advantage in an election year than about actually solving this problem. You know, like I say, the, uh, the people on the left who believe that guns never help anybody and the people on the right who tell us, well, guns just would just solve every problem, you know, we have to have a real discussion about terrorism, about guns, about all of it. You know, I'm, both sides to me are being equally ridiculous. I've told you about the left. I mean, I, this is, if I have to listen to one more person tell me what the exact real definition of assault weapon is, <laughs> you don't realize that that's not what people are looking for? It doesn't matter what you call it. In the eyes of the people who don't like it, they just think it's too much power to hand one individual. I'm not saying I'm on that side, 
but I'm not so entrenched that I can't understand the concern. If we can't understand one another's concerns, we'll never get to solving anything. And I'm beginning to believe nobody wants to actually solve anything. How's that an up way to start your Happy Father's <laughs> Day show? More of this when we return. Hessler Doctrine on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler. Calming down. I said I wasn't going to get angry during that first rant. I think I didn't most of the time, but maybe toward the end. Towards the end. And emotional, too. Emotional because I just... I believe what I believe. I'm a libertarian. I have my philosophic principles down. I don't waver from them. But that doesn't make me not understand the concerns of somebody that I disagree with. We've gotten to the point now where people are so entrenched in their politics that they can't even be open to the concerns of the other side. There's a paranoia that there's no such thing as genuine concern from either side. It's always an angle, and it's always looking to get more power. And I understand. I'm not naive. In politics, you always have to worry about who's going to get the power. But both sides this week, to me, have shown themselves as not worthy of the founder's dream. Let's put it that way. After Orlando, we should at least be talking to each other. I mean, to uh, the gay leaders, okay? You've been absent when it comes to your brothers and sisters in the Middle East, quite frankly. You, your voices have been absent. This is the way that it works. Homosexuality is not tolerated in Muslim cultures. In moderate Muslim cultures, you just go to jail. If you happen to live anywhere where jihadists are reigning, you are executed. Not with a trial, one witness, rumor, something, thrown off buildings. So, shame on you. Shame on you for having gay marriage, living in a country like this where you have more gay rights than ever before on the planet Earth, and you don't take the time to speak out against this evil, this atrocity that happens to your brothers and sisters in another culture. Why not? Because that might help the Republicans, and you can't do that. Mm. To the right... With, with the gun lovers, I am sick and tired of hearing what the actual dictionary, dictionary definition of an assault rifle is. You're not hearing the concern on the other side. Who cares if they get the label right or they get the label wrong? What they're trying to convey to you is we don't think one individual should have that much power in his hands. Most people won't use it. They don't think people should have the power should they choose to use it. You can still disagree with that. You can still disagree with that. I think when it comes to, I just chastise the, the gay side. Let me just say to, to the gun people, can we all agree that at this point, the Second Amendment is for your, defen- your defense? I believe most people, it's hunting and defense, right? Right. So if you stick with that, we can all agree that we can't have an atomic bomb in our backyard, right? Even if we say we won't use it, right? We can all agree yeah. that that's an offensive weapon. I think most people agree they don't want their neighbor to have an RPG. That's too much power. So we can at least start the conversation. Where is the line? Where does a weapon go from off from defensive to offensive? But there are so many people hearing me right now already writing letters to my program director, not hearing what I'm saying. <laughs> He's anti-gun. They're not hearing what I'm saying. What I'm talking about is a real dialogue, and what they're hearing is he really wants to take him away. Well, no, I don't. What I want is for people to hear one another's concerns and use this wonderful system given to us by the founders to actually resolve problems. 
But I think I'm whistling past the graveyard. <laughs> so more ridiculousness when we return. A little segment called Campaign Chaos. News 95.5 and AM 750. WSB. Eric Von Hessler on WSB. If it's Sunday, it's time to pick up your Sunday AJC. And in this Sunday's Atlanta Journal-Constitution, look for an investigation into ways local judges don't always obey the law. Plus, $267 in coupon savings. That's why we say, if it's Sunday, it's time to pick up your Sunday AJC. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler. I have my doctrinaires here with me. That's Tim. That's English Nick. It's Autumn Fisher. Jared Yamamoto is off seeing some Broadway show with his father on this Father's Day. <laughs> happy Father's okay, Day. Yes. Ah, happy Father's Day to all. That's well, a good thing. <laughs> Autumn doesn't like Jared. They don't get along. So she so, loves so, 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 right here, right here, right here. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> so spot on. That's man. how Jared sounds when he's walking the, uh, the office, <laughs> the halls. <laughs> Now I've been. Let's, let's try to have a little fun with this show. Maybe with this segment right here, we can have a little fun. I've decided I'm a candidate for president of the United States. I am running for president of the United States. Thank you all. God bless you. Ladies and gentlemen, I am officially running for president of the United States. Campaign chaos. All right, so we have Greg Russ, who's going to fill in for Jared Yamamoto. Greg, are you there? I am here. I showered for this. I, I can tell. Wow. I can tell. Even though you're not here, it's coming through. It's coming through the transom. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, and any excuse you can make to shower. It's yes. like, yeah, well, no one's going to see me, but why not? This is a special occasion. <laughs> yes, he doesn't usually do the campaign chaos headlines. So go ahead and hit me with uh, what's going on in this ridiculous campaign this week. All right, we'll start it off with this. A major poll gave Hillary Clinton an enormous lead over Donald Trump. So this is a Bloomberg politics poll, and it shows that she's garnering 49% of support compared to Trump's 37%. You know, I'll be, I'll be interested to see. Oh, Hillary, you're happy. Okay, okay. That's, people, were, people were dancing on your grave a couple weeks ago, but it uh, looks like you do have I some... I showed them, didn't I? I guess it's you have- enormous, but it's not huge. Hey, listen, you know what? Trump says he's huge, but the only thing huge about him is his toupee. Am I right? Yeah, you think it's It's not a toupee. It's hair plugs whisked around with a little bit of gel. Just keep telling the American people that lie. You know, Trump is so far in my rear view mirror that my driver can't even see him. Am I right? But I can still see you're behind. (laughs) See, this is the kind of campaign we have now. Uh, You can't stop looking at this behind. I think that Trump really got hurt a couple weeks ago with the judge thing. It's really hurt him with Republicans. you got to remember, Republican politicians, most of them are attorneys, they're lawyers, they, they, uh, they, th- this means something to them. I think that the American people found it to be uh, weird that he would go after a judge the way that he went after that guy. Because if you look at the drop in the polls, it kind of happened in the same period of time. I'll be interested to see in the polls that come out later this week, uh, obviously, I feel like anytime people feel threatened by ISIS, like the, the Orlando attack, it probably helps him because he's the guy that's not in power and he's not in charge, so it's not on his watch. So we'll have to see. I, I imagine that'll bump a little bit back up, but there are bigger problems with Trump, and this is beyond uh, the back and forth on talk radio of whether he's a real conservative or should be the uh, should be the Republican nominee. Um, he's trying to win the general election, at least so far. The same way he won the primaries. And history doesn't know yet. This hasn't been tried. But 
for a man who's self-funded, he's not self-funding anymore. So Hillary's got, she's sitting on 60, 65 million dollars, and I believe he has less than five, and this election is going to be won in states like Ohio and Pennsylvania and Colorado By and Florida. Me. Well, hold on, we're not there yet, but certainly right now, while Trump is still fighting his own party, she is spending $1.6 million on TV ads in Virginia, one point three in Ohio, $1 million in Iowa, almost a million in Colorado, 764000 in New Hampshire, 500000 in Florida. She, all of these ads are up and they're going, and there are no Trump ads outside of if there's a pack or two out there doing something. Nothing coming from Trump. And remember, these numbers from her don't count her packs who have been on the air already. So... Doesn't what? matter. It doesn't matter. You let, say, me, you let me tell you, that people, we all know how dumb Americans are. Do we not? <laughs> we know how dumb they are, and if they're listening now, they're going to totally change their minds in three weeks. <laughs> so you just watch my poll numbers bump up. Hillary will be back where she belongs in the dustbin of history. You know, Is this the kind of president that you want? Another man? <laughs> Is that your pres- Aren't we sick of all these men being presidents? You forgot to say white. <laughs> exactly. Well, she's white. I mean, so. Obama's kind of. Yeah, she's not. She's, she's, I don't think she, she can't do the, uh, the white thing because she's white. So uh, Trump. My soul, though, you know, it just changes. Anybody I'm talking to, I can definitely understand everything they've ever gone through as a minority. You know, I have heard you in black churches and you do sort of change your rhythm. Yes, girl. <laughs> she's saying you know happy, that much. She's saying happy Ramadan while the Muslims are everywhere going yeah. into these bars and doing these awful things. And that's your that's your side of the story. I never said I, happy Ramadan. Yeah, okay. So, uh <laughs> What's wrong with saying happy Ramadan? I'll tell you what's wrong with it because it's the terrorists who celebrate this holiday. I don't even know what it means. I don't care. Do we like Ramadan? No. <laughs> so, uh, I'm sorry, Greg, if I step on your next story or whatever. I'm just kind of going through the Trump thing. Trump was in Atlanta. Was that going to be one of your stories? Trump was just in Atlanta. I have uh, another Trump story, but uh, you can hit on that. Okay, so Trump was in Atlanta, and he started hinting on the fact that he doesn't need Republican leaders anymore and that he's willing to go it alone. You have to get tougher. This is too tough to do it alone. But you know what? I think I'm going to be forced to. So uh, he's now talking about basically telling people like Paul Ryan and other leaders of the party, either start saying good things about me or shut up and get out of the way and I'll do this on my own. And again, that takes me back to, sure, that's fine if what won you the primary will win you the general election. My numbers, I'm sure, are not perfect here, but I think about 30 million people, all told, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, whatever, vote in primaries. Uh, it's a whole hell of a lot more of that in the general election, and it may not be true that when you're up against going up against one person with, she's crooked, she's you know going after her, tweeting, always winning the news cycle, not necessarily been proven or known that that will actually appeal to a wider audience. Look, the Republican base has been angry at the Republican mainstream, the leaders in their party, for eight, ten years now. And Donald Trump became the vehicle to actually do something about that. We don't know if, in general, the general electorate is as angry at anybody up there as the Republican base was angry with their leaders. And that's how Donald Trump got there. He was finally the guy who not only would speak for those at the grassroots level who were angry, but he projected the idea that he could and he did win the nomination. They, a lot of people in the base didn't like Romney. They didn't like McCain. They thought they were Democrats light. 
Donald Trump, strangely enough, who wasn't a Republican until five minutes ago, came along, voiced their concerns at least, and gave them somebody who looked like a winner. And I think... I think maybe Trump needs to stop trying to court the Republican Party and maybe try to do it on his own. Basically, he's kind of taken a party hostage. He's actually an independent candidate running as a Republican, and he might not want to waste so much time and energy. But here's the other thing. He's going to have to be willing to pony up a billion dollars. Does he have a billion dollars on hand to pony up even? Sure, sure. If you had it. I do. In an offshore account. And the rank and file, the rank and file that put him in this position need to go back to him and go, no, wait a minute. You said you were self-funding. And what we believed is that you were willing to spend whatever it took, not just to become the nominee, but to become the president of the United States. And I think the rank and file needs to go to him and say, no, we want, we want like a non-socialist Bernie Sanders style campaign where it's us, we're funding you, you're funding yourself, and you're going against everybody. He might as well just go ahead and do it that way. The problem that he has now is he's trying to raise money with Republicans for this general election campaign, and Hillary's over there sitting on $60 million already buying ads in important states. So give me another story here in campaign chaos, Greg, if you would. All right. Following late night trend, Seth Meyers bans ratings from his talk show, meaning <laughs> meaning he will not allow Donald Trump to appear on the show at any point through the general election. Here's the good thing for Seth Meyers. When I read the story, I thought to myself, Seth Meyers still has a show. <laughs> so he got he got himself a little bit of press. <laughs> Uh, but I think but it wasn't just Trump isn't allowed. It was until Trump allows Huffington Post, not Huffington to, Post, Washington. Oh, I'm Post. sorry, Washington Post. So okay. what he did was he this was in response to the fact that Donald Trump has barred any reporters from Washington Post from being at any of his rallies. And this is not the first time with Trump that he's gone after the press. Our own Jamie Dupree has told me that he has been in rallies and felt somewhat threatened at times because they're pointed out. And so Seth Meyers is taking a stand, I guess, in the name of the media. And I can understand that. Does he have any ratings? Does any, I never hear anything about Seth Meyers. I have no idea. I see highlights on YouTube. He's, That's about it. He's doing like, <laughs> there, are, there are actually highlights, you're saying. Now. Well, high, <laughs> high slash low lights, Greg. Yeah. To me, well, he, he looks like a guy who's pretending to be a talk show right. host. Like, like he's acting like a late night talk show host. But Greg, you're going to say something. Well, I was going to say that slot traditionally, I guess, before you had Fallon come into it, was the experimental slot, right? Yeah, Letterman. Late night show. Well, it was Letterman, and then... And then Conan. Yeah, and Conan, and then uh, Fallon. It just doesn't seem like a fit to me, Seth Meyers. I mean, it, sure, if they're changing the format of that show, it's just very safe. Look, all late night television just is terrible, in my point of view. Formulaic. Ever, ever since Craig oh Ferguson left, I can't stand <laughs> Your it Your hero. Anymore. Yes. I know, we, we were watching some Conan the other day, and it was just so different from... The original, like those early episodes of Conan, and yeah. how good those were. Yeah, this it's everybody's lazy and just kind of routine, and and there's nothing. You know, it used to be late night guys. This has nothing to do with the campaign. But I I watched <laughs> the, that that tele that over the air HD network antenna runs the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson every night, and I don't catch it every night, but I catch it a couple times a week. And you know, the thing about late night shows back then, the people you could like or dislike Carson. Even after that, you could like or dislike Letterman or Leno. But all three of those guys were original, unique, American acts. Whether their shows worked or not, there's not ten other guys like Leno. There's not ten other guys like Letterman. There's, not, there's no one that was like Johnny Carson. These guys who are all doing it now, even Fallon, who's pretty good at it, they just seem to me like guys who are 
acting. They have an acting job. And mm-hmm. don't get me going on this James Corden. My goodness <laughs> gracious. Oh, the it. British guy? Hey, here's my answer, America. No. <laughs> when you ask me, as you don't say, when I'm out and about and friends, and when you ask me, did you see the karaoke with James Corden and so and so? Don't ask, because the answer's no. <laughs> I don't. I can't even begin to understand what you find even slightly entertaining about that. You're losing me, America. I mean, James Corden seems to be running for class president, <laughs> and Seth Meyers smiles constantly. Uh, back to being angry again. More campaign chaos when we return. The Von Hessler Doctrine on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler. I'm surrounded by my doctrinaires. We're in a segment called Campaign Chaos, which we'll get to the next story from Greg Russ from Studio B1. But I have to say, on the late night stuff, it's funny. A couple nights ago, I sat with my son and watched the like the first 20 minutes of the James Corden thing on CBS. Yeah. The, I will tell you that I didn't count, but for, let's say the first 10, 12 minutes between the opening, the cold opening, the monologue, the thing he does where you go say hello to the celebrities in the dressing room, then bringing them out, and then on the couch, finally. It's not because he's British, is it? I No, it's not. Uh. It's because... <laughs> I come from a time when the audience was there to support what was happening on the show, and the people that were doing shows were looking through the cameras and understanding the end product was supposed to work for me, the guy sitting on the couch, not the studio audience. At least, and I am not going overboard here, there were at least 20 enthusiastic rounds of applause for things and stuff. Mm. In the first 12 <laughs> minutes of the show, the crowd will not shut up and get out of the way so that I, at 12.40 in the morning, mm. sitting on my couch, can enjoy whatever's going on. It's That's the difference. Now, I watch the old Johnny Carson show on Antenna, and you hardly ever hear from the crowd. They, they, they greet him as he comes out. <laughs> they laugh at the monologue. Every once in a while, if you say, hey, um, you know, I lost 500 pounds They'll give you a, a mild golf clap. I mean, the audience is out of the way, and this endless cheerleading and late night where the crowd... I have to turn my TV down because there's people sleeping in my house because the crowd will not shut up and get out of the way. Do you think it's because we're in this, in this uh, era of, I want to see a minute of the show last night, so that's all people yeah. see most of the well, time, they're all broken they're, up? It's true, and they're, they're all kind of get, trying to get viral videos out there, and I understand that. But for me, an old man in his early 50s... <laughs> I just don't need it. I'm not interested. I don't tune in to you because you've got the best crowd. I don't well, care me, about your crowd. It, it seems more like the people in the crowd can't just be a crowd. They have to be a part of the show, which yeah. means I'm going to I'm gonna put my thing in. I'm excited. Yeah, Look yeah, at me. I'm all, excited. It's all interactive now. I went right. to a taping of Letterman, and there was fear in that studio. If you made noise, you knew somebody was coming over, <laughs> grabbing you by the collar, throwing you out. <laughs> That's the way it should That's be. That's the way. Those were the good old days. All right, Greg, thanks for popping in early. We'll talk to you later from Studio okay. B1. And we have, I believe it is time for WTF when we return. Eric Von Hessler on WSB. Live from Sherwood Forest, hour two of the Von Hessler Doctrine begins now. I am the aforementioned Eric Von Hessler. 
I'm not alone. My doctrinaires are here. Jared's not here, but Tim, Tim Andrews is here. English Nick is here. Autumn Fisher is here. And my buddy Greg Russ will join us again later. It is now time for this. What the? What the? What the? Seriously, what the? WTF. With Autumn Fisher. That is correct. <laughs> Autumn Fisher is the presenter of this segment. <laughs> who, is that, who is that female announcer? I've never heard her. I know. Uh, she awesome. sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah. You should do. I mean, she should do more of those things, yes. I believe. Absolutely. Me so, Autumn, too. what do we have in the mm. WTF segment this week? Sure. Um, an, arty, an army veteran has legally been changed to like a non-binary gender. Uh, you're going to have to explain. Does that make sense to you? No, it makes absolutely no <laughs> sense to me whatsoever. Somebody sure. who was in the army at one point, I take it now, is retired. And yes. uh, so. Okay. So grew up. Uh, genetically a man. Okay. Went through a sexual reassignment with hormones and surgery. To go from man to male to female. Correct. Mm -hmm. But instead of, I guess, identifying as female, this person, I don't know what pronoun this person would, I think her, uh, Jamie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I can't, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say he or she. They, their name is Jamie. Zer. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, did not feel that they so Jamie, were. So Jamie, it's so confusing. Yeah, so Jamie they did not made, want to be male or female. Somewhere on the journey from a man to a woman, Jamie said, "I don't feel like a woman either." Right. Right. And right. And uh, the quote is: "It feels amazing to be free from a binary sex classification system that inadequately addressed who I really am, a oh, system in which I goodness. felt confined." My personal dream. Have I wanted that freedom for so long? <laughs> I, think you know, I don't really, think anyone else ever thought like that, like non-binary, what, you know, hey, look, I'm a libertarian, live and let live, yes. be who you are, but am I a hater if I'm scratching my head a little bit on this one? Am I a hater if, if I'm thinking... I don't think you should be considered that, and, then, and, and if someone does get upset with you for being, you know, confused, that is just an example of what you were talking about before, which was, you know, you can't, you can't have any opinion that differs from mine and yes. if you do, then you're a hater. This is new, right? Am I so? She, so he made the transition to she, and somewhere along the ray, the the journey, said, "No, nah, I don't want to be a she either, but I want to go back to being a he." And so he went to court, and actually, this is the first person I'm guessing does not want to go back to he. So this is the first person that the court has said you are legally neither a he or a she. You yes, are correct. non-binary. That, that, right. That's, that's not but real. What, exa- well, what exactly? Well, what exactly? Here's the thing. Like, what's the purpose? Is what I was thinking. Can I just say this? I think this person's a little confused. Now you can send me the hate mail all you want. Okay, that's just what I'm saying. I'm not a hater. It's not pejorative. I'm, You're just saying they're confused. I'm thinking that's that fine. this person may be a little confused. Here's something that I know. As we get into all of this, because I pulled up the old uh, radio talk radio show trope about the 56 genders that are available on Facebook. You know about this? Yeah. There are 56 different things you can call yourself <laughs> as your gender when you sign up on, 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 on Facebook. But here's, here's what I know. If this Jamie, what's the last name? Shoop? Jamie Shoop, I think. Shoop. So if Jamie... Let's say after Jamie, as a non-binary person, decided to become an explorer and decided to make a trek by foot to the North Pole (laughs) and uh, decided to do it alone, strangely enough. I'm going to be the first non-male or female to step foot on the North Pole. And that was the dream. 
And somewhere along the way, Jamie, he, she, and all, accidentally fall into like a, just, just into a crevice in the ice. And then it closes over. And Jamie freezes there. And then a thousand years later, somebody discovers the body, pulls it up, and it's like, wow, this is a big thing, so let's bring in the scientist. <laughs> After a thousand years, when they examine that body, they're going to say, this was a man. Because they're not going to be involved in all the... It's, your well, body, first of all, your she body, had, they had a, a gender... I'm sorry, a sexual reassignment surgery. A thousand, so they years, might say a thousand years from now, the scientists are going to know that that happened. But the question okay. is going to be asked, what was this person born as? I mean, you're still, to me... So the bones. It's all... You're, yeah, consi- yes, you're it's, talking about sex versus gender. Those are not the same, necessarily. And what you just said uh-huh. was never said in America until about five years ago. I know, but now ago. it's said, and I'm telling you that there's a difference. <laughs> They're still so, yes, going to they're still going to find just the skeleton is what Eric is saying. Yeah, and gonna... that's totally fine. The sex of that person was male. So you're saying, I guess, I guess in you, I'm not putting it on you. I, sure. So the thing, the idea is sexual identity is purely mental. Yes. Not, not the body that you were born with. Correct. And we should not try. And then why want... change the body? If your sexual identity because is. Because you don't feel like. Especially, okay, so if you if you are born a man and you feel like a woman... Okay, can you stop you there for one second? Puberty, what I would yeah. say is, then you're a man who feels like a woman. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, it's, it's and my libertarian sense... all of a sudden you're growing, you know, well, parts and it's... Yeah, but you do you that on your own. I don't... Well, listen, what I'm saying is, <laughs> live and let live should be the way that everybody looks at the world according to me. Live and let live. I don't care. If you feel like a man trapped in a woman's body, a lot of people feel like this and that. You know, we all just, we all have a burden to bear, I guess. You live your life the best that you can. I get, we live in a world now where you can be, go from one to becoming the other. Fine. Okay. That's what you want to do. You do that. But when you start on the journey and you get halfway across the lake or the ocean, and then you decide, you know what? I don't want to keep on going, but I don't want to go back either. I just want to stay right here in the middle of the ocean. And you know I, what? I'm kind of I'm kind of fine with that. But what I don't understand is that now you have to have a judge that tells you that it's okay. Well, you have you know, to be Hold on. You sorry. have to be Listen. We do the reason that we assign things like this when you're born. There's two things that are the most important documents to the government that doesn't know you. Your birth certificate and your death certificate. And so that comes into play. Your birth certificate comes into play in a lot of legal situations. So we do have to make a decision about what you are. And I guess but we're. What li- does it matter? Well, it matters in terms of a lot of legal situations that get involved. For instance, we talked about this before on uh, one of the episodes of uh, I Am Kate or whatever the Caitlyn thing is with the Great show. Caitlyn Jenner. Thank you, Caitlyn. You're very welcome. Uh, she tells her ex-wife. <laughs> that uh, that she's changed her birth certificate, and if you go back, there the birth certificate now says Caitlin, not Bruce, uh, and uh, says born female. What? So here's the thing: it was never real. What? <laughs> well, that's that's that was the response of of the ex wife, which is so anything elite like Caitlin. Did you win? 
a gold medal at the Olympics. If you, if yes. you go, if, no, because you went back and you changed your birth certificate, and when you won the gold medal, it was a guy. Well, Caitlin if, was inside of uh, Bruce. But you, but you went back and changed your birth certificate, which is supposed to mean that you've been female all along. Another thing is. Bruce Jenner, before the change, got involved in a in a deadly car accident, and there's much litigation for it. And so you have to ask the question: Well, pull up the birth certificate. No guy named Bruce Jenner was ever born, <laughs> so therefore, there's no liability here. I mean, there are legal ramifications for these things. See, and going back, see, that's what I don't understand: is going back and changing that doesn't change who you are now. No, and it doesn't change who you were then. Birth certificate doesn't change who you were then. I don't. So a lot of this to me feels like trendy. It just feels like we're living in an era where there's just going to yeah. be a lot of people. Because then, so there's this guy. There's this guy. He's not. He's non-binary. I guess that's the way we put it. Yes. He's not a man. Well, he's they. Not a, no, I think they, that I think that they want to be called. Uh, Jamie. Oh, their wish was granted Friday. So I think it's the pronoun is they. They. <laughs> You think, but there's also XI and XER and Zer. And by the way, there's another thing that goes along with this. If you have the right to change your sex, you okay, fine, I'm a libertarian, do whatever you want. But I don't believe that you can then file harassment charges against me in the office because I didn't say they. See, now you're trying to use the government, two different ways of using the government. One is I have a protection in the fact that I have the right to be whoever I feel like I am, and I can declare that. But on the other side, then when you take the next step, which is now I want to take the government and use it as a club to hit you over the head because I've decided you're insensitive because you won't refer to me as they. <laughs> I mean, that's where my libertarianism stops. Mm-hmm. Now I'm on the side of the people in the office who have the right to uh, use language. I don't think the government should come in and force you to use certain words. They can tell you not to use certain words, but they can't tell you to use certain words. When did uh, when did our society go from being what you do to who you are? Well, because it seems now it's all about who you are. It's all identity politics. Identity. I know, you're right. Like in the old days, when you yeah, you'd meet right. at a party, the first thing that you say to a stranger, so what do you do for a living? Right. Not that it matters. Breaks the That's ice. That's offensive. Because what I do for a living is not my passion. <laughs> okay. My passion is Or maybe I don't kid. do anything for a living, and I'm a housewife. And what is that? That's bad, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking at these uh, 56 options that you can have in gender on Facebook. Yeah, they're And fun. Uh, there's one MTF, I guess, that, that's male to female. It's kind mm-hmm. of... But no, that's when you're in the middle, but you're going to female, right? I'm yeah, like maybe you're, going, you're taking hormones, but you haven't gone through the... My favorite is my favorite is two spirit. What's that? I'm two spirit. Uh, it's a Native American who changes genders. Sometimes I feel like a tree, but uh. other times I feel like a deer. Well, that's the next thing. Why do you have to identify with anything that up to this point we thought of as human? They already have that. It's called other kin. I identify as a wolf. I identify as a cat. All right, you know what? Send your cards <laughs> and letters. To Pete Spriggs, program director of WSB. <laughs> that is insane. But Anybody it's real. Anybody walking real. around saying that they identify as a wolf. I don't think it's real. I think it's something that people uh, put out there to make it seem crazier. Google it. it we have medicines for this stuff, people. We live in a great time of medicine. Didn't now. they used to be called werewolves? Yes. Wow. Well, <laughs> Those were always male, uh, and that's oppressive. Oh, man. A little more WTF. <laughs> if you can get any wtf than that, when we return.
the Von Hessler Doctrine on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Welcome back. Before the next WTF story, Tim, you were telling me you had the definition of the classification of other as a gender. Other kin. Other kin. Yeah. K-I-N? Yeah. Is it two words or no, one? No, it's one word. Other, other, ki- other kin. Other with K-I-N at the end of it. And it says, other kin are people who identify as partially or entirely non-human. Some say that they are, in spirit, if not in body, not human. This is explained by some members of the other kin community as possibly through reincarnation, having a non-human soul, ancestry, or symbolic metaphor. But we haven't gotten that far yet where anybody's gotten the judge to say, yes, you're other kin. This is just something they identify with themselves. You need to get some other kins in the in the uh, federal system of judges, and then yeah. things will start. You know, have a guy who identifies as maple syrup. That's right. It's slow, <laughs> I identify as a jar of I mean, pomade. You could identify as anything if you wanted to. Right. I know English Nick has something to say. Aerosmith had a great song, "Mama Kin." Mama Kin. Yeah. yeah. Identifying as your mother. Dude and looks like an otter. There you go. <laughs> Autumn, give us another WTF story before we get in trouble. Yeah, so there was a, another sort of really WTF-y type of story where an Indian man was watching The, Condor, the Conjuring 2. Yes, in India. He dies, yes, in India. He dies of a heart attack. He's taken to the hospital, but on the way, he's dis- he disappeared and the driver. So are people looking at this and thinking that somehow the... The actual, if I know people. Yes, the curse of the conjuring. Yes. If I know people, they're not going to first jump to the conclusion that it's India and somebody abducted the body and they're going to try to get money for it or something like that, which is probably what's going to happen. People's minds, because human beings have to make things up. There's like, well, he was watching The Conjuring 2, and that's yeah. a horror movie about spirits. And that's based on a true story. Yeah, is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. There was a haunted yeah. you know, house yeah. with kids, and yeah. there was yeah. an exorcism, yeah. and then yeah. it's all real. I missed it in the papers, but apparently it was a, it was a true <laughs> thing that happened. I remember when I was a kid, they, uh, the Amityville Horror yeah, that was, was real. sold to me. It's like, this really happened, man. This house, it was real. And I read the book, and I saw the movie, and I was convinced, man, this was real. It really happened. Happened. Then a couple of years later, the the people who wrote it just kind of ah, we made it all up. <laughs> None of it ever happened. <laughs> it just never happened. So this, although this is just this this actually falls into the category of irony. The guy is uh, well, I don't even know irony. You, you have you have a heart attack in any movie, but he's had a scary movie, right? And he has a heart attack. So one could assume that he got so scared that he had a heart attack and died. Although I would even pull away from that and say. That probably the dude for the last couple of days knew there's something going on here, and he went to a movie when he shouldn't have. So he's, his body is still missing. Still missing, and it says that supernatural forces were definitely at hand. It, well, it could, <laughs> at the very least, provide the plot for Conjuring 3, which ah, we can all look the, forward that's to. That's what's happening. That's what's really happening. Conjuring 3, coming to theaters near you. You know what's happening. Outrage around the world doesn't end. We cover it next. Outrage Corner with English Nick. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB Eric Von Hessler on WSB If it's Sunday, it's time to pick up your Sunday AJC In today's Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution You'll find a great story, an investigation into ways local judges don't always obey the law Plus $267 in coupon savings That's why we say that if it's Sunday it's time to pick up your Sunday AJC. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler. My doctrinaires are here. And the star doctrinaire 
of this segment is English Nick. Why? Because it's time for this. Outrage Corner. That's outrageous. With English Nick. Told ya. Don't <laughs> doubt me. I know how this thing runs. All right, English Nick. There's always outrage in this world. Sometimes it's valid. Often it isn't. The Von Hessler Doctrine is here to decide which is which. <laughs> Give me the stories. All right. Some outrage at Disney, kind of, because... Valid. You think it's valid? Sorry, that didn't take long. Sorry. <laughs> valid. Right. Go ahead. Tell the story. Yeah. This uh, Nebraska toddler, three years old, was snatched by an alligator at the World Disney World Resort and... Uh, killed. Killed. And now they're going to put up signs, they're, right? Well, they had some signs that said no swimming in the lagoon. Now they're putting up signs that say uh, alligators and snakes in areas. Stay away from the water. Do not feed the wildlife. Yes. Well, here's the thing. The, they did not have signs at the time that warned of alligators. And now, look, this is something. We're in the southeast. And if you're in Florida, most people understand this. Uh, look, the reason Walt Disney was able to buy all of that land in the middle of the state of Florida because it was basically considered useless swampland, and that's why he was able to buy it all. So with swamps come alligators, and if you live in Florida, of course you know this, although there are horror stories a couple times a year in Florida where toddlers get, um, where this happens, not, on, not in resort, but in just people's regular property. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you live down there, you know about alligators, and you know to be worried about them, and you know to kind of look out for them. The problem with for Disney is... That they're a resort, so they ask people to bring their children from all over the world. This couple's from, the, 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 the parents here are from Nebraska. You don't think about alligators. You're probably not thinking about alligators. And, and, that, the, and Disney really gives you a sense of safety. Yeah, absolutely. This is the last thing that's going to happen is something as right. horrific as this is going to happen. And also, so what I want to say here is that uh, whether it, good, bad, or otherwise, Disney is going to pay through the nose. And probably... Before it even goes to court, Disney is pretty smart. I don't think that they want this being litigated and on front page news for a long time until a court decides. I think that they will walk in at some time when it's appropriate with these parents. They're going to get a phone call. There's going to be a meeting and there's going to be one hell of a check that's going to be written because just the fact that they now have signs up about alligators when they didn't have it before is going to be seen as guilt. Otherwise, you would just you say, no, there's no problem. There's no reason. Also, my understanding is that the resort next door does have the signs about ah, the alligators. Oh. And when they went looking for this kid, they found four or five alligators around. Nobody had any idea. And have you seen the viral video that's uh, uh, out right now where, uh, I don't know what year this was, but there's a video of somebody wrangling an alligator near Splash Mountain. The people are coming down. They have no idea. And the guy keeps pushing the alligator back. And the alligator <laughs> keeps, pushing, keeps pushing him back. Ugh. So although on one hand, I think that a lot of people might say it's Florida. Of course, you have to worry about alligators. You need to know that. But as Autumn said, in Disney World, the idea is to make you feel as protected and happiest place on earth. And no one's really going to say, like, actually, I think they should have had the alligator signs up there. Because anytime I see a no swimming sign... With no further ex- explanation, I'm thinking pollution. Like, why sure. wouldn't I be able to swim <laughs> while you have this lagoon here? Why wouldn't I be able to swim? Yeah, this is wastewater. Yeah, exactly. So don't, don't <laughs> swim. Are you finding hypodermic needles yeah. or something on the beach? Don't swim in the water. So uh, I think that Disney knows that they're on the hook here, and they are going to probably offer so much money that this doesn't even go to court. 
But you do have to be careful when you're in the state of Florida, or even in really, really south southern areas of Georgia. Even around here, there's alligators every once in a while. Every once in a while. They're not common, but they're here. I think they come back with people. Like, they bring them back as, like, oh, babies or something. Dumb pets. And then they're just like, oh, all right, let's dump them somewhere. <laughs> they flush them down the toilet. Something. I don't know if it's that. Up. They take them out to a golf in the course. So, yeah, they end up. <laughs> I think usually when they end up here, it's because of something a human has done. I would think. They're not naturally, this is not an area where they want to be. They like the swamplands. And I used to live in Louisiana when I was a kid, and there's a lot of swampland in Louisiana, so it's the same thing. Alligators, people understand it. But again, if you're a resort and you're asking people to come from all over the world, you can't assume that they know. You've got a responsibility, not only for science, yeah. but maybe to patrol it. You know? yeah. like- well, I think they do. They probably patrol it. In general, mm-hmm. but they don't identify this as a place where it would have happened. Also, aren't there ways that you can create a man-made lagoon and then have uh, fencing or something that they can't get through? They can climb over yeah, fences. The problem with alligators is they are, yeah, they are, when they want their prey, they are. Yeah. I just, you're it, talking about the viral video. I just saw one today of an alligator climbing over a chain link fence. What? Yeah, flops himself right yeah. over. Well, I think you're right. I mean, it does take a little bit of personal responsibility, <clears throat> but you can't, I mean, in California, if there's a condor... And it comes and steals your dog. You know what I mean? Like, you can't blame Disneyland for that. It's just... No, you can't. There's animals out there in the world. But if you bring your dogs to Disneyland, then I think you deserve anything. (laughs) Unless it's a help. I didn't didn't want to kill another toddler in my, you know, pretend scenario. But, uh, so I think think Disney knows. They know they're on the... Because even if they were right and they could win the case, it doesn't help you if you're Disney, if you're... If this thing drags on for a year in the courts... And it's not it's good just, for business, that, man. Not good for business no. at all. This is supposed to be the happiest place on earth. So, Mickey Mouse doesn't care about you. That's right. So you need to know that Mickey Mouse does care. And it's just, <laughs> you know, as a father, I mean, gee, you just can't imagine. Well, not only did you he just have to witness it. Something he had, like that. He, he tried jumped to wrestle. Tried to, yeah. yeah. As any father would do. I mean, you'd try, but I mean, it's... Horrifying. You know, and those, then he was missing. Yeah. And so... Disney's on the hook. Give me another outrage. Please. You know, maybe they can send some of these Russian football hooligans down there. They'd sort the <laughs> I'll take care of those alligators. So, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of violence at the UF, UEFA European uh, football finals, soccer finals in France, mainly yeah. between the Russian and British fans. Yeah. Because they're all wasted and drunk. Anyway, they're, they've deported 20 of them, but the, the fans are saying, look, it wasn't us. We weren't the ones. And they say they're coming back on Monday yeah, yeah. for the game against Wales because they're not going to lose their passports. See, I see. Look, they, the, the Russians obviously had more to do with this. That's why they're being kicked out of the country. Very but organized. I've seen your mates. Yeah. I've seen your blokes. English as, as the Russians call them, those punch belly drunks. <laughs> Yeah, that's the problem. Is the Russian hooligans showed up? They've been, they, see, they got Putin riding his horses, <laughs> and the whole country's on a fitness craze. We take so, steroids before every trip. Exactly, they see, are pumped up, man. Vladimir, your stupid idiot moron hooligan people are in better shape than English Nick's stupid idiot moron hooligans. All I want is a beer and a, a, a chip butty in it. That's all I want. I don't care about being fit. I would like Brexit to exist from the world. <laughs> yeah, shut your mouth, mate. Shut your Oh, you see, it's going to come to blows right oh, here. Oh, I'll take you on. We beat you before, we'll beat you again. I'll so, drink more than you, mate. I'll tell you that. Drink you under the table. You so what happens, what happens is 
these guys just get really drunk. But you would never see this stuff in America. No. I, I, I went through a series online of 25 pictures of the violence at matches. Now, when you're at an NFL game, you got 60,000, 70,000 people together. The, uh, usually a fight or two is going to break out. People are drinking. It's going to happen. Yeah, like one-on-one or something. But I have never been to any organized sport event in, in America mm. where actual battalions of people began to war with each other in the stands using weapons, flares. Yep. How are flares? Look, <laughs> at this point, if you're responsible for security at a soccer game or football, wouldn't you really, really be cued in on the flares? Like, how do yeah, the flares I still, how that got what, what is the other reason to have a flare as a fan other than unless my team wins 5-0, I'm going to just go crazy. Right. And this was that flare thing happened after two or three days of violence leading up to the first game in the tournament with Russia yeah. and England, you know? So they knew there was going to be some trouble in that stadium. I hate to be, you know, just sort of obvious here, but it's only a game. I, I recognize it. These <laughs> well, are people... I lose my hope in humanity when I see that people, in absence <laughs> of real reason for war create reasons to beat each other up. There is no reason. Look, the guys are on the pitch. See, I didn't say the field. I know my stuff. You're learning, man. The guys right. are on, Let them, you know, let them work it out on the, out on the pitch, yeah. you know, and if, if if their side beats your side, fire your coach, start over, whatever. But you Yeah, but you haven't always had this kind of attitude, Eric. I have never had the attitude downstairs. Yeah, but I've yeah, <laughs> myself, I would get angry and I would throw things. There was one time uh, that uh, that's yourself. My, my favorite team was losing a game that they shouldn't lose, and I got so mad on Monday Night Football that I uh, I I had a big thing of grapes that were on the table, <laughs> and I was so mad. I remember this day, Steve Largent. It was his one hundredth uh, catch uh, for on uh, Monday Night Football. One hundredth, uh, not catch, but touchdown catch. And my team was losing, and they shouldn't have been because the Seahawks stunk back then. <laughs> And I took the these grapes and I threw them the whole bowl. The bowl broke, and I spent the next few minutes picking up grapes, which helped me out and uh, mentally. But I moved the TV. I was moving the the, the room around like three months later, and there were like five raisins behind. <laughs> Shame see, raisins. You, see, here's the Shame deal. Raisins. Here's the deal. Yeah. That may not seem violent, but if you'd have been in France and you'd abuse grapes like that, man, I'd be in you'd trouble. You'd have been in jail. Bleu. Get precious. out of here. But here's the thing. I never, I mean, when it was done, I was like, oh, you're stupid. It's a game. Sure. I mean, the idea that these people, this is what I'm learning from this. Human beings without actual reasons like you took my land and I want my land back or you're a threat for this reason and we want to make sure that you're not a threat anymore. Actual, sometimes those are dumb, but you can understand reasons that people go to war with one another. Watching this soccer stuff in, in Europe is showing me that human beings, in the absence of an actual reason to go to war and fight each other, <laughs> will make one. Will actually make one up yeah. because no, that makes sense. if I beat you up, my team could still lose and it's not going to have any effect. Like, the team that's going to win is going to win. The team that's going to lose is going to lose. And it has nothing to do with how strong the people in the stands are. It just doesn't make any sense. These are just dumb, 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 dumb people. You know, they talked about banning alcohol up, running up to this tournament. But I guess, the you know, the restaurants and stuff are still going to serve it. That's why and you guess want it. what? I drink beer. I don't want to go out and kick somebody in the head. <laughs>
I, it's almost like the gun argument. You know what I'm saying? Who sees that and says, man, I want to go to the next one? No. Nope. Only an idiot. <laughs> Only a, They're televised, right? I'll be at the brew house tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> little five points watching England take on Slovakia. Leave your flares at home. <laughs> All right. Another outrage or two when we return. The Von Hessler Doctrine on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler. I'm surrounded by my doctrinaires. We're in the middle of Outrage Corner with English Nick, so hit me with another outrage. All right, so Radiohead, who we just heard there, launched mm-hmm. their uh, new album. The physical version of it came out yeah. this past uh, Friday. A Moonshape Pool is the name of the album. And some, uh, some Islamists... So there's a listening party. A listening party. It was done at all these independent record stores all over the world. And these so guys, there's a record store in Istanbul. Istanbul. And they're in there having a couple of beers, listening to the new Radiohead album. It's a listening party. In come the crazies. Uh, so in come <laughs> Start the, checking them out. What you call the Islamist. I think Islamist means when you go political with your theology. Mm-hmm. We, we, so the, these Islam, Islamists. And Turkey, I don't know a whole lot about Turkey, but it's been a Muslim country that's been somewhat secular in the way that it's run for a good long time. Maybe that's beginning to go away now. And... And you've always had these people who sort of police the religion a little bit, but I don't. I, I feel well, like it's the month of Ramadan. Ramadan, and right? What I'm drinking during that. But time. I feel like Turkey is a place where it's not like Saudi Arabia, where you're just not allowed to drink or do. It's bit it's more liberal, little, yeah. Bit, bit, bit Erdogan, er- Erdogan is bringing back a little bit of that. Yes, yeah. and uh, the Turks traditionally, though, have not been, um, you know, as crazy as the Arabs. Well, they're 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 named <laughs> after the uh, the guy Turk was a general, right? And his whole thing was that he pushed back on, he wanted a secular society, I believe. Yeah, the you last know? Ottoman Empire. Well, no, let's not get all of that. I know, okay, okay, I'm just telling you. <laughs> let's get, get Tim going. And you, you'll have conspiracy <laughs> yeah. theories and you'll be at spaceships landing at the pyramids before you know it. So we'll, we'll, we'll skip all of that. So, but this goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. which is we will in the West and in America end up wiping out ISIS. We're just not there yet. I said earlier that to the to the jihadist in any you know and this these were not jihadists these are just super religious people right but you're right on the edge there to any of these people there's no difference between Dick Cheney and rock and roll stars or artists or fans or of those stars. the most <laughs> liberal people that you can imagine there's no difference because these people had the audacity to drink beer and listen to an album and that. It just makes my point. They don't see any difference between Radiohead and Ted Nugent. Do you get it? Do you understand? They don't get any difference. We like Cat Stevens, though. Sooner or later, we're all going to realize we're all in the same boat, whether we like it or not. We're just not there yet. Can we just sail it together? We're all in the same boat. Oh, sail it. Can we just sail it together, people? Get him out of (laughs) here. It's naivete. So the Turks. uh. (laughs) All right. When we return... Greg's going to come back with stories from Studio B1. Eric Von Hessler on WSB. Live from Sherwood Forest, Hour 3 of the Von Hessler Doctrine begins now. I'm the aforementioned Eric Von Hessler. I'm not alone. My doctrinaires are here. Jared's not here, but we needed a week off anyway from him. (laughs) Tim Andrews is here. English Nick is here. Autumn Fisher is here. And because he did such a good job earlier, earlier in the show, 
We decided to let him come back. It's time for... He's a misanthrope, he has a dark heart, and he needs a good psychiatrist. Here you are, here you are. It's Greg Russ with stories from Studio B1. All right, Gregory. Hello. You have stories from Studio B1. This is what I've been told. I, I do. Can I just quickly abuse my privilege of being on the radio and say happy Father's Day to my dad? I know he's listening. I didn't send a card. Wow. He likes cards. Uh, Why didn't you I, send a card? Let's get I, into I, this. Because, What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? Because I ask him, where's the card from last year? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where it is. <laughs> what do you think? People are supposed to save those things as keepsakes for the rest of their lives? You yeah, put them in a shoebox. I do. Yes, that's what I was going to say. You put them in a box. I have boxes yeah. of cards under my bed. So you, on one <laughs> hand, you're <laughs> using this show to try to repair the damage done on this Father's Day between you and your father. On the other hand, you're sort of punishing him for not keeping the card from last year. Uh, it's not supposed to be a punishment. It's just practical, I think. I it's think it's postage. laziness. I, I think it's laziness. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> I know you. You need to get out some crayons and it's some, definitely, you know, paste. Uh, yeah, draw one. Draw <laughs> yes. a card. Like the old days. All right, well, just, I'm going to give you the clear here to apologize to your father. I apologize for not sending a card, Dad. Uh, I love you. Happy Father's Day. It's not your parenting that led me to be this way. Maybe your genetics, but not your parenting. <laughs> but not your direct parenting. Uh, Greg, for as strange and misanthropic as he is, his father is wonderful. Both of his parents are wonderful. They, they, they should have gotten a better kid out of the deal, I feel. With all the good work that they put in, I feel they should have gotten a better, <laughs> more respecting, <laughs> loving child than they got out of this Greg Russ. No, no, what they got is a kid who spit in the bagels of Ron Lester who died. Oh yeah, he was. He was this was oh. a story I'm going to throw out there. It's a curveball, but uh, Ron Lester, star of Varsity, best known for Varsity Blues, not necessarily star, but Billy Bob in Var- Varsity Blues, 1999, died at 45. He came into your morning show once, and you uh, were an did- intern, and you were mean to him. He demanded bagels. Where are the bagels? So I had to go to Publix and get him bagels, and I spit in those. Bagels. <laughs> was this no. when he was bigger? Before uh, he no, lost he'd the lo- weight. I think he'd lost the weight. No, he had lost the weight. This was after Varsity Blues. Okay. But I, do you want to apologize? To, you've already apologized to your father. I don't you feel can, bad for it. He was a jerk. He went to the same high school as me, North Cobb. And I remember he went on the air, and it was very contrived. He, he referenced the principal who – it wasn't like this was a long-running principal. This was a principal this who got the job one me, year. Greg, this wow. sounds to me like a very personal vendetta. <laughs> and may he showed up at the high school football games when I was there. He's like, I'm so back. what? So what? It's sad. It was sad. No, it's sad that he died at 45. I knew him, too, and he was a very nice guy to me. He was a very nice guy to me. I had only experienced him as being a nice guy. I don't want to get it. Will you give me another story from Studio <laughs> B1? You have now abused your privilege. <laughs> oh, yes. Do you understand the idea that people die if you don't have something good to say, you don't say anything at all? You just yeah, not, but it, it was also illustrative. It was uh, also illustrative to you know show that I'm trash. Uh, this I guy think was the point. Still thinks time out. Ninety nine X. Another story, please. Uh, Stephen Curry. He's responding it's to Stephen his Stephen Curry. Is I, it not? I know it. It is, but I'm mispronouncing it because I'm going on with the narrative that I've created for this misanthrope. Yes. Uh, Stephen Curry is responding to his wife's tweets after the NBA Finals Game Six. She tweeted that the game was rigged, uh, and you know they they did this for money and ratings. And now, and now Steph. That wasn't Steph her. Is, that wasn't her first tweet. I don't think. Uh, she's been tweeting throughout the series. I think she tweeted after Draymond Green got uh, ejected for a game, 
Uh, same type of thing. The NBA is trying to rig it to have a real series because it looked like Golden State was just going to walk away with the thing after the first couple of games, and now it's turned into well, Game Seven, which is actually it's been a very exciting sort of uh, uh, NBA finals. Although no particular game, Game Five was a pretty good game, but that ultimately, was the yeah, in the end, the, the you know Cleveland started to walk away with it. But it was a very good game. Most of the other games have been just complete blowouts and not all that fun. But it's been a very fun series to follow because it's been roller coaster and now you get to game seven where you have golden state who has the i think they lost two games in the regular season on their home court they've lost a couple in the in the uh in the playoffs but they have the best home court in the league and but you've got cleveland and lebron james LeBron James, who just said, oh, you know what? I need to start acting like LeBron James. (laughs) All these things have been written about me for all these years, and he just showed up a couple of games ago and became LeBron James again. So you have, there's no doubt that right now the momentum would be with the Cavaliers, but they're walking into the toughest stadium to win a game at. But the last time they played in that stadium, they beat the Golden State Warriors. So they were down 3-1. Now it's tied. I'm very excited for this Game 7, but I have a feeling, having watched the whole thing, it's going to be a blowout one way or the other. Like, what you really want is a Game 7 that comes down to a 2-6 to six point game in the end, but probably what's going to happen is one or the other of these teams is going to blow the other team out. And even though the Cavaliers had the momentum, if I had to bet money, I would bet money on... The Warriors. Oh, let's do it. Let's have one. You, know, you want to bet so money? No wagers. Are we allowed to do that on the radio? That's illegal. I don't know. No, okay. You're not. All right. No, you have do to. You, do you, you have, have to bet thoughts? like a, what? Does Nick even have thoughts? It sounded like he would just take of taking your wager either way. If you said Cleveland's like, all right, let's do it. Let's wager. No, I, I really believe that LeBron's going to show up. I really do. I would like to think that he's going to show up. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have any skin in this game, so I'm for like the underdog. And also, Cleveland has not had a championship since like 1964. So as long as I've been alive, yeah. they have not had a major championship. And their baseball team has been close to it a couple of times, but they have not had a major championship. Tim, you're looking at me like I'm wrong. It's not just no, no, no. I'm, I think I'm Jim surprised. Brown, I thought that they won with uh, LeBron before, but I guess they didn't. No, no, they went, but they, did, but they didn't win. Okay. So uh, I think Jim Brown and those uh, Cleveland Browns, the last time they had a championship. And that was AFL. I don't know. That was the NFL. But uh, anyway, they haven't had a championship in years. So I, I tend to root for the underdog. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm from a small, I'm kind of industrial northeast. That's not the northeast, but I'm the same kind of town. Uh, I grew up in the same sorts of places that nobody wants to go to, <laughs> that no free agents ever want to sign up to right. go to. So I have this, you know, I, I sort of am kind of rooting for the Cavaliers, but what I'm really rooting for is just a great game, like a game seven that lives up to it. Steph does. Steph Curry still hasn't had a great game. Uh, Steph does his thing, both the Splash close Brothers game. and LeBron does his thing, and Irving does his thing. Just a close game, a brawl. That's what I want. <laughs> I want a 12-round bout that comes to a decision. That's what With I want. Flares. With flares. Yes, and the audience member gets involved. Yeah. Flares and Fights. craziness. No, I just want it all to be settled right there on the court. I would. I don't want to see LeBron show up and have a weak game, though, because he's building his legend. His legend, if he pulls this off and he has the greatest comeback, really, no team has ever come back when they're down 3-1 to one in the NBA Finals and won it. Teams, Two teams have come back, but they've ended up losing it. So for him to kind of that whole going back to Cleveland and then that underdog thing and to pull that off. But again, if I had to bet money, 
I'd have to go with Golden State. They did win more games than any other team in history, mm-hmm. and they have the greatest uh, home court advantage in the NBA. So I'm just going to be it's, – it's Father's Day. And now here's the thing. It's Father's Day, and my family's treating me well, and there's going to be a dinner tonight, and my oldest is going to come back, and we're going to do the Father's Day thing. He's going to come back. That sounds like he's been estranged. Well, he's not estranged, but I mean, he's going to come. And is it going to get in the way of the game? No. Not it is not going to get in the way of the game. But my youngest has told me that Game of Thrones is on at 9, <gasps> and the game starts at 8, and so Uh-oh. I... Dad on Father's Day is going to be exiled to the bedroom no, upstairs. No, 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 no. Dad gets to watch. No, Dad gets to watch whatever he wants on the main screen. No, in my opinion, no, no, no. This episode of Game of Thrones is very important. Doesn't this is matter. what I'm hearing. This is what I'm hearing. This yeah, episode is very important. There's this is what also I'm we also live in an age of DVR. Yes, for them. yes, we do. And he could watch it. Yeah, later, but, but I need to watch it live so that I can tweet about it and follow Twitter. And he doesn't want to be left behind. Selfies while I'm watching it. This is why I'm such a great father. <laughs> Hey, I'm a man's home is his castle, Eric. It's your castle. You need to put your foot down. Well, That's we don't. Offensive. The, <laughs> <laughs> the millennial blogger is offended by. Hey the, guys, hey. so like, just because it's like a castle does not mean it's like a man. It's like I have to have my dad sign, my co-sign my loan. What is going on? That offends well, you as well, stupid. huh? That offends you as yeah. well. So, yeah. So like, I can't make the payments. Who cares? But I don't need my daddy. To co-sign. I'm looking forward to the seventh game of the NBA Finals. I will start it at eight for the first hour, and I'll go upstairs and watch it for an hour upstairs in my bedroom. That's the kind of dad I am. That's, that's a why complete you get the dinner tonight. Pushover. That's why. What? Yeah, that's why you have a son coming back to the house, and why you get a dinner tonight because you're the kind of dad who will let your son watch his TV show. That's right. <laughs> that spoiled brat. Although I do talk about it on the radio and have the whole city city judging my son, which is great. So <laughs> judge him for the jerk that he is for Give pushing his, uh, his dad upstairs. His social media usernames yes. so everyone can harass him. <laughs> yes, you can find him at Pushover Son. So you got another story from Studio B1? I do. Jimmy Page is still denying stealing the opening chords to Stairway to Heaven in a copyright okay. trial, which is surprising that there's one now. It's like the estate yes. of, of the member of the band Taurus, which is where they said the... Well, you know, what happened was the way that the Well, the, the spirit, this band spirit in the song was Taurus. Right? Yeah, well, so the, what happened is the way that publishing rights work, uh, I guess, I don't know, they couldn't sue based on the original recording, but Led Zeppelin went back in their 50th year or 45th, some, other, some anniversary year, and uh, remastered everything, and somehow the rights come out of the mastering, so when they went back and remastered it, that opened it up to the estate, I believe his name is Randy California, yeah, yeah. guitarist from Spirit, that opened it back up because they could now go after this new mastering of Stairway to Heaven, and I, that music tells me that I can't do it now, but I do have the song right here in front of me, and we'll listen and compare when we return. Von Hessler Doctrine on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler. By the way, we're on every Sunday, of course, on WSB here. It's noon to three. But that's not all we do. We do three podcasts a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And those are only available on the WSB radio app. So what you need to do is you need to go download the WSB radio app. And in that first page, there'll be a little splash page that comes up. Scroll down. It says Von Hessler Doctrine. You go there. 
You get all those podcasts and this show. The Digital Doctrines. The Digital Doctrines are the other ones. And then this show, uh, the Von Hessler Doctrine, turns into a podcast within 24 hours and is put up there. And so everything you need right there, WSBRadioApp.com. Anytime you're getting the itch. I'm getting the Von Hessler itch. You just pull up the app, you hit the Von Hessler <laughs> Doctrine, it's all there. If your dad wants to listen to those Digital Doctrines tonight, mm-hmm. give him access to the smartphone. That's Let right. him listen to it. Teach him how to use it. Yeah. And then he'll have <laughs> like... Von Hessler's foot. What? The Von Hessler the, itch? Yeah, I was thinking, ah, <laughs> need some Tanak. It's a little worse. <laughs> it actually sticks around a little bit longer than Athlete's Foot. So before we went away, we were talking about the Jimmy Page Led Zeppelin trial. No, he. Hey, by the way, if you know Jimmy Page's history, there is a thing that he should have gone to court for that he just never did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's astonishing, but I won't get off track. Uh, It's treated now like some sort of cute thing. Jimmy Page and his 13-year-old girlfriend back in the 70s. I mean, the guy, I mean, look at it. It was a different time. No, it wasn't. No, No, it wasn't. (laughs) 27-year-old men and 13-year-old girls. It wasn't, I lived in the 70s. It wasn't considered. It's just that it was a different time where when you're that rich and that successful, you can get away with things like that. Anyway, this trial is (laughs) about. This trial seemed. Yeah. yeah. This trial is about him uh, maybe stealing that opening part of Stairway to Heaven. So let's uh, compare. This is uh, the band Spirit, and the song is called Taurus. And after a torturous 41 second opening of strings, it gets to the part in question. Nick, who's the closest thing to a musician amongst us, is shaking his head. I'm saying no, man. Oh, I don't know, man. To this? There's too many notes missing. It's different notes. All right, let me throw this in. Either Led Zeppelin opened for Taurus or they Taurus did. opened for Led Zeppelin they opened for, for Taurus a while. On first American tour. So they were actually exposed to that song. Yeah, but it's not Are close you enough. Sa- well, you're saying, I think what you're saying is, yeah. They inspired. It was obviously, yeah. the fact that they had heard that music came to that. But you think they've changed enough notes? Absolutely. That it doesn't work. So yep. it's inspired by the Taurus. Uh, I think uh, so. I can't. It's hard to find the thing on here because it's still going. Let's see. <laughs> Go one more time here. With I this. mean, this has happened with many artists over the years. Yeah, just, some of them get some of them get busted. Though. Yeah, it's like the Tom Petty thing that happened with uh, Sam Smith last yeah. year. That was that was really close. Close though, Nick. I know. Yeah, not close enough. They opened for them. Stairway to Heaven, they say, is worth $560 million. I don't think it's half of that. George Harrison got in trouble for uh, My Sweet Lord. Yeah, but I didn't know anything about (laughs) it. I've never heard this song before. It was uh, He's So Fine, right? By the Shirelles. I never knew who they were. But here's the thing. You did rip that off from the Shirelles, and you did know what you were doing. But you know what? I'm glad of it. All right, we, I'm being waved off here because we got to go do some commercials and we'll do a little something called Doctrine Extra. I'll explain that when we return. News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. Eric Von Hessler on WSB. Welcome back. I am Eric Von Hessler. We're heading into our final half hour. Doctrinaires are here. Tim, English Nick, Autumn Fisher. Uh, Greg Russ is still with us. It's now time for a segment which I can, one thing I can guarantee you about this segment, it is the worst 
imager in history. And here it is. Ladies and gentlemen. It's the stories, WTFs, and outrages we just couldn't miss. Extra, extra, read all about it. It's the Doctrine Extra on the Von Hessler Doctrine. Why is that part even in there? The Extra Extra? Because it's Doctrine Extra. It's Doctrine Extra. That's not what extra extra means when he's yelling extra. Well, extra. we're just throwing things in there. Anyway, we know it's terrible. The I idea. Disapprove. The idea is that uh, we do little segments throughout the whole show. There's always more stories than we have time to get to during their own segments. And we we'll have to go back at the end of the show and clean up a little bit. So let's go back to headlines. <laughs> because Jared Yamamoto is not with us today. English Nick was the presenter of that segment. Give me a headline that we didn't get to the first time around. Well, you said clean up. I thought we were going to clean up this Atlanta streetcar, but the city expects to keep after submitting the uh, right paperwork to the, the Georgia Department of Transport. So they were told that they, they needed to do a lot of things in mm-hmm. order to keep this thing... It, look, first, who cares about the details? <laughs> you know, one of these... <laughs> nobody wants the streetcar. Is there anybody in this guy? city... If yeah. it's raining and you're homeless, yes. yes. This streetcar is a boondoggle. It's cost way more than anybody thought it was going to. It uh, At first, they started free because they wanted to get a ridership. And they had trouble getting people to ride it when it was free. And then finally, they had to start cha- charging some nominal fee. And the ridership just went, it was cut by like two-thirds immediately. People said, well, I might ride if, it, if it's free, but I have to pay anything, like a dollar. No, it's not worth it. Nobody wants the streetcar. If that streetcar magically vanished tomorrow and it was never seen again, how many people would complain? I say zero, but I suppose there's two or three out there Eric, who like anything. You need to listen to your mayor. Kasim Reed says the streetcar is not only going to be okay, but we're taking it to the Atlanta Beltline. What? Um, the Atlanta Beltline where Buddhists want to walk? Would it drop you off at the Beltline? What's going on? That's what you do in government. When you've got a boondoggle and something that's not working, the answer is make it bigger. <laughs> do more. Let, make it available to more people who will say no and refuse to ride it. That's going to be the answer. And I don't know a lot about this stuff, but uh, I'm not, you know these transportation people in government are the worst. They 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 are the most elitist. Uh, dumb people drive cars, and will co- so they come up with this Atlanta streetcar. If you had something that didn't have to obey the rules of the road for everyone else, like why would I get out of my car? Well, the reason I get out of my car is I don't want to be stuck in a traffic jam, right? So maybe I get on the streetcar. No, it turns out the streetcar has to stop at all the streetlights. It has to do it. So you end up being stuck in traffic on a streetcar. One of them hit a a parked vehicle recently. How? Well, it turns out if you, the stories, maybe the vehicle was in the wrong place. I don't know. But there were stories a few months ago about how the training for these streetcars, like the drivers, some of them didn't have the proper classification of license. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing. And it is kind of difficult to get out of their way because there is yeah. parking on the, the track. Yes. Oh. Well, that's what happens. So people the- park there, and they don't realize, and then the streetcar can't move, and then there's a backup behind the streetcar. The, the driver has to get out, go into buildings, and find people who are parked <laughs> up. I have never, I have never been to San Francisco, but I look at something like the trolley system, and it makes sense to me. Young people would have heart attacks trying to walk the streets of San Francisco. It's <laughs> built on the side of, I mean, it was built the wrong way, right? San Francisco, if you look at some of the places, when I lived in LA, we lived in Glendale, and usually what they'd do, they'd wrap the streets around the mountains. And so it was still kind of tough, but it was kind of going with the grain. And, and they put like a New York City grid street system on San Francisco. So walking up those hills 
would kill you. So I understand the idea of having a trolley, but I've never been there. Does the trolley have to stop at the light? I don't know. I don't think so, and I think the cars are either side of the trolley, you know? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. I get the sense that it's a quicker... Right, it's going down the middle. It's a quicker mm-hmm. way to get around. You're like, hey, I just jump on one and get up to the top of the hill. It makes nope, sense. No, this is just a... This is an electric a car. Big, a big, a big <laughs> blue whale. It's a big blue whale. It is. Yeah, it's a big blue fail whale is what yep. it is. But fail so whale. much money has gone into this thing. Hashtag fail whale. This is how government works. This is how government works. When you, when you waste a bunch of money, the only answer is to waste a whole bunch more money because nobody can admit that they were wrong. But Let's I will send say, it to the Beltway. That's really popular. Yeah, the Von Hessler doctrine says if it disappeared tomorrow, no one except for maybe a few students who dreamed up this idiotic idea, no one <laughs> would care. No one would miss it. Before we had a streetcar, I've lived in Atlanta since 1998. I never, in any conversation about anything, did anybody say, you know what we need is a good streetcar. I'd go downtown more often if I had a streetcar, but yes. since I don't, I'd stay right here in Hall County. Something, ah. that, something that moves really slow, so if any criminal element gets an eye on you, you can't get away. <laughs> but you know what people have said is I would ride the MARTA train if it actually went somewhere I needed to go to. That I agree. I agree with. But look, the streetcar... So why did they put their money there? All they did with the streetcar is put this behemoth in the middle of an area that already was congested. <laughs> yes. I don't... I, how... It just... It's a... It's an exercise in the folly of government, that Atlanta streetcar, and now we're stuck with it. We're just stuck with it. So let's go to Campaign Chaos. Greg, a story that we didn't get to. All right, Ted Cruz had a secret meeting with conservative leaders to discuss his future in the party. Oh, yeah, I saw this, and they're all talking about, oh, you're the next Reagan. Reagan yeah. lost to Ford, and then he came back. Here's the he's mo- buying it. He loves it. Oh, of course. I think that this was Ted Cruz's moment. I think he missed it. I don't see Ted Cruz as an enduring figure, and I certainly don't see him as the next Reagan. And I, think, I see him more like Rick Santorum. Like, he had his moment, right? Going to hang around. Well, maybe, yeah. I, I think if he ran again, he would run into the Santorum thing. I think he'd be at like 4%. Or like Huckabee. Huckabee won Iowa. And then he, he's, oh, people love me. No, things move on. I think he was the flavor of the month. I think that he was became, he ran a very good campaign, and therefore he was the last dude standing with Trump. And so he somehow became the mainstream candidate. He somehow became the uh, establishment candidate, if you can believe that. But that's not going to happen this time around. This is what's going on right now. Whether you like it or not, the, the Von Hester Doctrine isn't here to tell you what you want to hear. I'm just going to tell you what's, what's really going on. And what's really going on is that Paul Ryan is setting himself up, if Donald Trump fails this time around, to be the savior. Uh, what people, the rank and file Republicans who have been at war with their party for 10 years now, this is it. You got your moment. You got your guy. But guess what? People are going to be as critical of you if you lose, as you were of the McCain and Romney forces saying they were Democrat light, we need a real strong leader. We need a real. Then they went with Trump, who hasn't been a Republican for more than 10 minutes. I don't necessarily get it. But the point is, if Trump loses and if he loses badly, um, that is going to wash out this cycle completely. Republicans aren't going to touch anybody who is in this cycle. And Paul Ryan is setting himself up to be, I'm young, I'm pretty good looking for a politician, I don't scare small children. The Republican <laughs> Party, if Donald Trump goes down in flames, is going to reemerge with someone like a Paul Ryan. It's not good. They're not going to go back and go, oh, the, sec- the guy who couldn't beat Trump? See, you got to think, if, yeah. if Trump loses big... 
what Cruz is going to be seen in Republican circles is the guy who couldn't beat that guy. So they're going to go for a whole rejuvenation. And I think Paul Ryan knows this. That's why he's keeping an arm's length with Trump, but also being respectful to a certain degree. Paul Ryan is setting himself up for 2020 to be the savior of the Republican Party, whether you like that or you don't like that. And the one way to get around that is that Trump actually gets his act together and wins. But that's how politics is. It's not going to happen. I I think Cruz had his moment, and he got close. But my belief is that Cruz's moment is gone after this uh, after this cycle. We have time for a WTF story that we that we left on the table. Let's, uh, let's try one of those. Yeah, Autumn, you remember uh, last week? Oh no, on Thursday. Do I remember last collapsed. week? Actually, it was I, was, a, I let me finish. <laughs> it was a haze of pills and alcohol <laughs> for me, but I slightly remember last week. La- last week on Thursday, Meatloaf collapsed on stage while performing in Canada. Yes. And yes. it was reported that he had dehydration, which is the most annoying yeah, that's thing very... that anyone can say about anyone who falls down. It's not that's not what happened. It turns out he has something called Wolf Parkinson White syndrome, which is a irregular heartbeat issue. Oh, and he's doing fine. He's uh, responsive and recovering well. I have the sound of when that happened. It was scary. <laughs> Here's the problem. Did you hear what happened next? You, when, when you heard that microphone fall, he was on the ground. People rushed over to help him. They got him to the hospital, and he's doing better. Thank goodness. Now let's be somewhat critical. If you were listening to that audio, after the mic fell, you still heard meatloaf. And why yeah, is what that? Was that about? Why is that English, That would Nick? be called a backing track, Eric. So uh, it's kind of now, at the, so very he, least, at the very least, people know he does sing but he also, he has the backing track behind him. He gets some help from himself. He gets some help from himself. Yeah. Now, how often is that done? Do you know? I mean, with the big stars. Uh, I know a lot of the bigger... The Stones the, do it? Because Mick Jagger still sounds I don't think really good do. for a guy who's 72. Some of the older rock acts, they do do the auto-tune thing from time to time because there's yeah. high notes they can't reach anymore. But yeah. uh, I don't know about a track that actually mimics you. I mean, a lot of hip-hop and rap artists do it all the time. Right, because they can't yeah. recreate the yeah. studio thing yeah. live. But, but uh, not so much with classic rock, I don't think. Because the last time I saw the Stones, they, you're amazed first that they're just still <laughs> lively and running yeah, yeah, around yeah. and all that. Um, but then when it comes to something like you can't always get what you want, Jacker's voice is, his voice is still good uh, in those parts where it's just uh, him he's, singing. He's fit, man. He's always been fit, so I'm sure he can put it off. I don't know. I see this meatloaf thing and I mm. start to wonder... I just start yeah, to wonder. Yeah, but look at Meatloaf versus Mick Jagger. Mick, Meatloaf is not as big as he used to be. No, he's no, still but fat. He was, yeah, yeah, he was. He is big. He was big. I, did he have drug? Did he have a don't, drug issue with uh, him? I can't say Andrews, fat. Don't Meatloaf uh, shame him. Okay, oh, sorry. Man. Can I just jump in here Uh-oh. for a second? I I got a text that from Eric during commercial break. When we get to the Meatloaf story, don't make fun of Meatloaf. Now everyone else is, and I no, we're making here. fun. I'm of, not making fun of him. I'm you're, saying he used to be big. He's not as big now. He's still big. Tim Andrews saying he's fat. The Von Hessler doctrine is saying he is exposed as somebody who's not do, taking care of all the lead vocals. That's right. what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that's the biggest news. Put Greg Russ back in the NHL-style <laughs> penalty box. <laughs> I don't care. He's doing his own show today. All right, when we return, we have the best goodbyes in the business. Don't miss them. The Von Hessler Doctrine. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Welcome back to our final segment. Segment. I'm Eric Von Hessler. 
Here's the deal. I just told you to before. Let's go through it again. We do this show every Sunday, noon to 3, and it becomes a podcast within 24 hours on the WSB Radio app. So you need to download the WSB Radio app, not just for that, because we do three podcasts, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, every week. That's called The Digital Doctrine. So you get the WSB Radio app right there on the front page, Von Hessler Doctrine. You get everything that we do. So as we said earlier, if you get the Von Hessler itch, you need that WSB Radio app to scratch that itch. Now, as we do every week, Paul Stanley from the rock band Kiss will tell us what we've learned on this week's show. First, By the, go ahead. Yes. No, you were going to say something. No, no, I, go ahead. What did we learn? Listen, I was just going to say, first of all, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Okay. By the way, are you a, are you a father? I have kids all over the world. Some of them I even pay attention to. <laughs> well, that's well. Happy Father's Day to you for the ones that you pay attention to. What else did we learn about today? Today we learned some very important things. Like one, uh, Turkey hates Radiohead almost as much as I do. <laughs> You're not a you know, not a big Tom York fan. I wouldn't call them rock and roll. I would just call them snore music. <laughs> Paul Stanley, what else did we learn on this week's show? Atlanta has a three-car, and its name is No Thanks. <laughs> you, are you into the transportation? Well, you're a limo everywhere you go. So I you take limos, limo buses, limo planes, <laughs> limo helicopters. No limo streetcars? No limos. Um, they get, they're too slow. A KISS should sponsor the streetcar, perhaps. You know, we, I was talking to Gene about why don't we create a streetcar here in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. And we could put, you know, logos and stuff on. And he said nobody likes those things. So he knows. He knows. He's, you know. Smarter than our own he's mayor. A, he's a very good businessman, that Gene Simmons. You really like him to get along? I do, you know. He's a good guy. <laughs> uh, also, you know what else we learned? Meatloaf should change his name to Kale. <laughs> That might help him out a little, because, you know, you get old and you... You gotta be careful. Gotta be healthy. You're an old rocker. It's probably hard for you, even, even though you're all slim. I'm a rocker and a roller. (laughs) Is there anything else that we've learned, or is he done? Uh, People, start talking to each other. You know, when tragedies happen, let's not go into our own camps. Let's form one little camp, and we can just have fun and have a, you know, cook out and talk. Call ourselves Americans. Call ourselves... Exactly. (laughs) Wise words from Kisses Paul Stanley. Thank you very much. Thanks to the whole cast here. Thanks to everybody for listening. And happy Father's Day, one and all. We'll talk to you next Sunday at noon. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.